Acts chapter 11, verse number 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen. Now, who was Stephen? Remember who Stephen was in the book of Acts? He was a deacon in the church. He got up and he declared the word of the Lord. The religious people of the day hated what he was saying about Jesus and stoned him to death while he was preaching. And the persecution began to intensify under Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle. And things got very difficult for the church at Jerusalem. It says, and they were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen. They traveled as far as Phoenicia. So the church began to spread out because Jesus had told them, go into all the world. But they were kind of camping in Jerusalem. Persecution got them to obey the word of the Lord. They went to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, the Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Wow. So the word of the Lord began to spread. So Father, thank you. Thank you for the strength that comes in knowing your son. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, who even though the culture is trying to drive everything in one direction, the Holy Spirit illuminates truth, your truth, and causes us to be aligned with you in our hearts. Thank you for transformative truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can be seated. Promise you can stay seated for a few more minutes. More than anything in our culture, the church of Jesus Christ needs to be on the Lord's side. Every once in a while I hear somebody say, well, the Lord's on our side. Wait a minute. We need to be on the Lord's side. Because there was a day in the history of Israel when, once again, God's people reverted to the ways they had learned from their culture. And this is innate in all of us if we're not careful and alert and always taking our spiritual temperature incrementally Without knowing it, because it's in such diminutive ways, you begin to drift toward the ways of the culture. Israel was doing that, and he did it many, many times in this one occasion. And like those without God, the people of God began to worship other gods. And that's what even happens among believers. Before you know it, they start substituting other things for putting God first in their lives. And you don't even know how you got there. And as is always, God's people always find an excuse for their slippage. It just happened. <laughs> we, well, we thought you had abandoned us, Lord. We, you know, not much was going on and seemed like you weren't listening and we got busy with a whole bunch of other things. We, we lost confidence in the leadership that you gave to us. That's what they were saying about Moses. Spiritual leadership decided then we're going to make everybody kind of happy. So we're going to just kind of teach and speak about things that are pleasing to you rather than things that are pleasing to the Lord. Let's not talk about anything that you're doing that's displeasing God, which means you're really not on his side, but let's just feel good. Okay. Then we wonder why our culture has has walked away from the things of the Lord and away from the church, and the culture has turned on the church in many instances, because once again, we have compromised what God has told us in his word. So here's how Aaron put it. He was the high priest. Moses was speaking with the Lord up at the top of the mountain. And Aaron said, the people said to me, make us gods who will lead us. 
Okay? We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. We don't know how it happened. It just happened. And Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. That's exactly what's happening in our culture today. So he stood at the entrance of the camp, Moses did, and he shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him quickly, of course. And when we stand clearly on the Lord's side, he will stand with us. And the hand of the Lord will manifest once again. There'll be great numbers, like I just read to you out of Acts 11. There'll be increase because the hand of the Lord is upon you. It's an interesting phrase. The hand of the Lord was with them. It could have read the Lord was with them, but it says the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned. So when you look at the word, you'll see this statement used time and time again. Simon the sorcerer in Acts 13. He was a specialist in witchcraft and the black arts. And using his craft, he held the whole region under fear and intimidation. But the man of God, seeing this evil work being done, made a pronouncement about him. And now indeed the hand of the Lord, he said, is upon you. And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. God demonstrated his authority over wickedness because his followers were totally committed to him. The hand of the Lord came upon the one causing all these issues in the culture. Now, in life, you're going to face obstacles, issues, challenges that get beyond your own capability. It's been true for all of us, no matter what generation we grew up in. Those who came before me would counsel my family and members of our church. Whenever there were uncertain dilemmas we were facing, let's just put this in the hands of the Lord. Let's put it in the hands of the Lord. What a statement of trust, of commitment to God. Not a cliche, a lifestyle. In Exodus 3, God made a statement in support of his people. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders. What was the result for his people when God stretched out his hand to put the culture in check? What happened? And I will give the next verse. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go, you will not go empty handed after 400 years of slavery. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, the watch, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. You're going to get payment back. In other words, several things happened in that passage. One, the hand of the Lord will be used to come against the enemies. The hand of the Lord will bring judgment upon the enemies. The hand of the Lord will compensate you for what's been stolen and taken away from you. The hand of the Lord, yet we live in a precarious day with a very volatile world condition. So have God's people throughout history lived in precarious days. And while there is abuse and there is injustice, never fear when you stand with God, God will stand with you. 
Exodus 13, and Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. By God's strong hand, Israel was delivered from Egypt. Now among the Jews, there's an interesting item. It's called the Tephalin. It's a set of small black leather boxes containing scrolls of parchment inscribed with, the verse, with verses from the Torah, first five books of the Bible, which were worn by observant Jews during weekday morning prayers. And these boxes are tied either to their arm or to their forehead. And when praying, Orthodox Jews will have these boxes containing Scripture tied to themselves. So when wearing those, and the next generation kind of looks at them like, what's that all about? And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up out of Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand, and as a memorial between your eyes, that the Lord's law may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. Strong hand. The generations who are following us need to be instructed and mentored and taught learning that with a strong hand, God has always delivered his people. God brought us out of bondage. Listen to the testimony. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy into pieces. Now here's the question we in church are asking, and sir, needs to be answered. Numbers 11, and the Lord said to Moses, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? When you need a miracle individually, when our community needs an economic revolutionary turnaround, when our nation needs a third great awakening in its history, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Does God still fight for his people? Do God's people stand up for him? Can God provide a table in the wilderness? And here they are, out in the middle of the desert. And they they said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? For behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Has God's hand been withdrawn? Has his hand shriveled up? Can he still provide? Can he still perform that needed miracle? Can God still bless his people? God can and God will. Moses had a fresh challenge leading these two million plus people into the wilderness. And God spoke. Do you think that the same God who brought you out of Egyptian bondage, away from the army of the most powerful uh, country on the planet, now that you're hungry and thirsty, this God can't provide for you? So the children of Israel also wept again. This is how they... This is how they treated God. Who will give us meat to eat? Because we remember the fish that we ate freely in Egypt and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks, the onions and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. Right. Okay. And and there's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Manna? That's angel food, by the way. It sustained them in every possible way they needed to be sustained. So God answers them and says, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you will see whether what I say will happen to you or not. So God says to every person at Calvary Christian Center, those that are believing God for a turnaround, you're believing God for a miracle, you're believing for provision, you're believing for a healing, 
Who is on the Lord's side? That's the first question that has to be answered. Stand with God because he can and he will. And he's saying, do you think my hand cannot touch your body and heal any disease? Do you think my hand is incapable of blessing your finances? Do you think that by my hand I cannot give you creative ability? Do you think that I cannot use my hand to bring America to another great awakening? Do you think I cannot see your children set free from substance abuse? Do you think that I cannot deliver you today? Do you think my hand is so short I cannot provide whatever you need? Do you think my supply has incurred a shortage? Do you think I'm weak in my hand so short that blessings can't reach you? Look at how God will honor those who honor him. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Samuel was a prophet raised up by God, ordained by God, given to God when he was still a babe because of the promise of his mother. You give me this child, I'll give this child to you. And this young man grew to love God and honor God. And the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Why? Samuel honored the Lord. But I will honor those who honor me, Samuel writes, of God. And I will despise those who think lightly of me. When you honor the Lord, he honors you back. It says of Samuel, he grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. Samuel prayed. Samuel fasted. Samuel honored the Lord because Samuel put God first. God's hand was with Samuel, and his enemies could not be successful against him all the days of his life. And I'm praying that as God held back the Philistines all the days of Samuel, that the church in America will return like Samuel to honoring God, and as a result, God will hold back the enemies of our land. Because like Philistine terrorists who used to raid Israel, so there are terrorists ready to raid America. And who is on the Lord's side is the question. Who is left that will honor God? Is there a remnant in America that will still fast and pray and return to honoring God so we can see restoration in our land? We need restoration in America. The road we're on is a treacherous one, and without God's help, we will not succeed. With his help, we will. This article came to my attention called Why Kids with Amazing Parents Grow Up and Reject God. I thought, wow, this is really good. pastor was asking someone in his church why he didn't attend service during the week. That's our family night. Why didn't you put your kids in children's ministry or youth programs? He said, I watched over the years. Time passed. Kids went off to college, and they stopped attending church at all. Dropped out. And it didn't happen once. It happened multiple times, over and over and over. He thought, well, maybe it's just a fluke that their kids aren't serving God. But he said, no. Parents that take this philosophy are the ones whose kids leave the church. They go off to college and they're gone. And he writes in this article, it says, you probably heard family first. Don't get so busy with church that your family suffers. You probably heard that 
theory. He said, well, I agree with that. He said, I think that we get into trouble if we forget our family is just a tiny part of something much bigger, God's family. And he says, it's dangerous to separate our family from the bigger picture. The kids were seeing that their family gatherings at home had priority over gathering with other believers. It says, the small we, my family, are more important than the big we, the family of God. No one intended it, he writes, but they were being taught that their family was the center of the universe around which everything else revolves, rather than God and his people being the center around which our lives rotate. Then he said, it started to make sense. Gathering with the people of God became optional, a nice thing to do once a week as long as it was convenient and didn't conflict with our family or other plans. Wow. Said there used to be a day when family first meant folks gathered at church. We'd be there. So he makes this suggestion to anybody who doubts this idea. He said, next time you're out barbecuing, you may do that today or tomorrow. And you've got this grill filled with hot red coals. Take about six of those coals out and set them to the side together. And while those six coals are standing together by the side of the grill... Then take one of those coals out of the six and set it apart. And then he goes on to tell us how important it is that we pay attention to this simple little analogy. If you want to stay red hot, stay connected to the big pile of coals. Because the family of six coals stays hot for a little while, But that one that's been separated out altogether (laughs) cools down very quickly apart from the rest. As often as possible, gather with the other coals where you draw heat from them and help others by sharing your heat. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing, Paul wrote. Instead, we must continue to encourage one another even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. So Jesus put it like this, take heed to yourselves and be on your guard, lest your hearts be overburdened and depressed or weighed down with the giddiness and heartache and nausea of self-indulgence, drunkenness, worldly worries and cares pertaining to the business of this life, and lest that day come upon you suddenly like a trap or a noose. So Calvary, remember the hand of the Lord. Remember where we need to stand with the Lord. We need his hand. We need to be in his hand. And the church cannot afford to continue down the path it's been on for the last two decades. Because look what Israel did to the Lord. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. Yes, they turned their back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Wow. How many today remember where you were when God delivered you? When God healed you, when God provided for you, when God restored you, you began as an orphan, hopeless, and then he came and gently picked you up with his hand. Do you remember what God's done for you? They remembered not his hand. Don't forget his hand in a fresh challenge, in a day of great distractions, in a day when the good 
has become the enemy of the best. In a day when a way seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. Remember the faithfulness of God. All I have needed, your hand has provided. So read this clearly. And that you would, oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand, Jabez said, would be upon me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Notice that one of the four requests Jabez has for the Lord, he said, that your hand would be with me, that your hand would be with me. In the middle of all you do, all your planning, all your dreams, all your activities, stop and seek the hand of the Lord. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Why was the hand of the Lord with them? Because they were with him. They were on his side. I'm believing God for a great awakening in his church first, in our culture, that we'll go from deficit to surplus. We will, if we get on the Lord's side. We'll go from negative to positive, from subtraction to not just addition, but to multiplication. Because you seek to honor God by putting him first, and his hand will be with you. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons, God says. And concerning the work of my hands, you command me. The word command there means to commission. And God says, when I'm first in your life, I will give you the right to commission the work of my hands. And God says, I want you to ask me boldly, then place the matter in my hands. I want you to come to me with faith, expecting, because you seek to please me. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. So when we conclude in prayer here today, be sure you assign your issues and your challenges into his hands. But before you even do that, have you been honoring God? That's the question that's key to this. Have you been honoring God? Is he first in all areas of your life? So then target areas of your life and place them in his hands. Put that struggle, your business, your marriage, your children, your financial dilemma, put that in his hands. Today God wants every parent to place their child in the hands of the Lord. You take your hands and cup them like this. And into those hands of yours, you put your problems. You think of those things that are frustrating you and making life difficult, and anything that's become so big and looming in your mind, and you place them in your cupped hands. And then you lift your hands toward the Lord and place those issues into the hand of the Lord. And you put God first. And as you repent, of the, for the fact of those areas where he has not been first in any area of your life, then you're free to go to him and say, I'm on your side, Lord. I've put the stuff behind me, those things that I have failed to do for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will, shall direct your path. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. So is God first? Am I on God's side? Or am I just asking God be on my side? I want to live kind of the way I want to live. I want to be rebellious. I want to be independent-minded. 
I even want to be arrogant at times, and I want to let you know I got this, but I want you to help me when I can't fix it. I need you to be on my side, God. Excuse me, you're not God. Neither am I. I need to be on his side. I need to be in favor of what God's in favor of. I need to put God first in my life and in my thinking and in my dependence is on the Lord. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. The kingdom. Look at the principles of the kingdom. You can find them all throughout the Gospels and live righteously. In other words, be honorable in the way you live, and he'll give you everything you need. Then we will commission the hand of the Lord to deal with any situation we find. A child is in a relationship. You've raised your child the right way. And it seems like it's an okay thing. I mean, it's kind of good. And the, you, all of a sudden, you find yourself with the adaptation of the culture's philosophy. I just want him or her to be happy. And if they're happy, I'm happy. Let me tell you something. You need as a parent, God gave you a trust with that child. As a parent, you need to ask this question. Is the person they're hanging out with that they want to end up married to, is this the will of God for my child? Is this what God wants, parent? You need to pray that God will intervene, saving your child from error that can take them away from his perfect plan for their lives. It's a sacred trust. Don't allow the enemy to derail God's plan for your child. Stand in the middle of that and fight for what God fights for. You can take your child and place them then in the hands of the Lord when you're putting God first. Isaac was putting God first. Abraham was putting God first. And when they sent Gehazi to look for a wife for Isaac, they could ask God to bring the right person, the one you've chosen for him. That's the way a parent ought to pray for their child. Bring the one you've chosen for my daughter, for my son. And look what it says in Acts 4. Now, Lord, look on their threats and and grant to your servants that with all boldness they, they may speak your word. See, their agenda was, we want to do the will of the Lord. We want to be on God's side. We want to speak your word. We, we, want, we want you to know that we're lined up with what your will is in our life by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Calvary, you are the body of Christ on earth. When he is truly head of our lives, he, stretch out, he stretches out his hand to heal for signs and wonders to be done through his name. Where? Right in the culture, in the church we live in. Therefore, humble yourselves. There's, there's an alignment with God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So again, when I align with him, God takes care of me. His hand then will exalt you in due time. Take it all out of your hands and place it into God's hands. That's why the Word of God speaks of the laying on of hands in the Scripture. It's a foundation, listen, foundation stone of our faith. It's New Testament theology. It's the foundation of who we are. Listen to what the Scripture says. The elementary principles of Christ. In other words, the foundational principles of Jesus. And then he names them. Repentance from dead works. I, I, I look at my sin and I do a 180. 
Say, I repent of what I'm doing back here. I leave it back here. I walk away from it. Repentance from dead works and faith. I'm coming toward God. I'm moving the direction of aligning myself with God. I'm getting on God's side of the doctrine of baptisms. We're going to have water baptism tonight. If you haven't been baptized, you need to get in the tank of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. These are the foundational stones upon which the house of God is built. The foundation of your faith is important. If the foundation of your house is not laid correctly, no matter, it will create a failure down the road. What a sad day for the American church. This foundational doctrine, the laying on of hands, is completely ignored in many of our churches. Some don't believe in it. Some will not practice it and say, no, we don't need to be doing that. If a prayer for the sick is offered, rarely does it, does it entail or include the laying on of hands in some of our churches. Yet the Word of God says the laying on of hands is a foundational stone in the building of the church. This principle must be carried forward from one generation to the next generation. His brightness was like the light he had rays flashing from his hand. There his power was hidden, speaking of the Lord. Notice that God's power is released through his hands. God tells us to commission the hand of the Lord. And Mark in the New Testament gospel put it like this, and these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Bam. Wow. So if you're sick and infirmed or bound in a battle and a struggle, believe because he can and he will. Put God first. These things will be added to you. When hands are laid upon you, that's a point of your contact. And we are not just praying, wasting words. We've been with Jesus. We're ready to serve. We're ready to watch people get set free. That's why I encourage you to be on a Sunday night service with your whole family. To bring your children. To have them in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because we lay hands on people. We believe God for the miraculous. For breakthroughs. Listen to me. Without this opportunity, if not on a Sunday night, then when? We come into agreement. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them of my Father in heaven, Jesus says. And then you expect God to heal because he can and he will. Expect heart issues, blood pressure issues, infirmities, pain, cancer, chronic infections to be healed. And when someone lays hands on you who's putting God first, we're placing your situation into the hands of God, commissioning him Father, take care of this business. It's only you can. To commission increase or health or blessing or favor or a turnaround. And when the enemy attacks, hold up your hand and tell him, talk to the hand. And you say, I stand here by the mighty hand of the Lord. I'm praying the hand of the Lord be upon Calvary Christian Center. Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. God uses our hands, a point of contact, to work his work in our lives. I'm praying the release of God's power from his hands upon your family, upon your health, upon your business, 
for supernatural increase, multiplication, that the hand of the Lord, when it's working upon you, listen, leaves you too blessed to be stressed. And you will see the goodness and the favor of the Lord. Jesus' hands were pierced as a part of the crucifixion. We're going to talk about that tonight. Therefore, when the hand of Jesus comes upon you, it says to the enemy, the covenant of God is upon this child. Because the covenant of God is represented in the pierced hands of Jesus. And he'll bless you. He'll keep you. He'll protect you. The angels of heaven are given charge over you. The power of God's released to you. His hand is not short. Behold, the hand of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But get on the side of the Lord. I'm on your side, Lord. I agree with you. And here's what God says happens when we stop being on his side and take the position we can live any old way we want, unaccountable to him or his word. He said to his people, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity and your lips have spoken lies and your tongue have muttered perversity. So in other words, you have devolved into the rest of the culture around you. And you're not on my side when you're doing that. Because when I'm on God's side, that's a whole other set of values. So we humble ourselves. We do what Solomon wrote down on paper. God spoke to him. We humble ourselves. We turn from our wicked ways and we start facing God being on his side by putting him first. And then his mighty hand will manifest among us. I need the Lord to stretch out his mighty hand. We're ready to go to a new level, new challenge. His hand will sustain me. It will strengthen me. In the natural, I cannot. But here's how I can do it. By the hand of the Lord. A fresh touch of heaven. So Paul tells Timothy, when he's telling the church, lifting up what kind of hands? Holy hands. Oh. Holy hands. Means these hands are on your side, Lord. How do I ascend the holy hill of the Lord? With clean hands and a pure heart. So I lift up holy hands to the Lord. Psalmist said, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Hands heavenward. There's an urgency I have in my spirit today. There will be miracles among the people of the Lord who put him first. And the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you. Joshua had served Moses for four decades. A man in whom is the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and lay your hand upon him. Moses is getting ready to go be with God. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before all the congregation. And he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him. The Moses generation laid hands on the Joshua generation to bless, to speak God's blessing upon them, the plan of God, the will of God to pray health and increase and success and above all the wisdom of God 
When dads and moms place your hands on your children, on the next generation, and bless them, that the hand of the Lord shall be upon them. So now Joshua, listen to this carefully. The son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. He takes over the reins of Israel. Was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? For Moses had laid his hands on him. It's transfer. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Jacob blessed his sons, all 12 of them. And then he blessed the sons, two sons of Joseph. So Jacob blesses the 12 sons, including Joseph. Then he blesses the sons of Joseph, one of his 12 sons, these two grandsons. And they became exactly what God told them they were going to become. Look at your hands. The ability to affect future generations is in your hands. In Acts, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, Paul laid hands on the people and the Holy Spirit came upon them. With the Holy Spirit comes the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And notice gifts and callings are coupled together. Gifts and callings are coupled together. God doesn't call you to a ministry without giving you the giftings to accomplish it. He calls and gifts, gifts and calls. Like somebody who comes up and says, the Lord is calling me to sing. And if he didn't gift you to sing, mm, thank you, no. You got one, not the other. Okay. And your gifts can be stirred up. What God planted in you, and them times like those coals have to be taken and turned over so that fresh oxygen can reach the embers. So once again, those coals can give off heat. So stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of what? Hands. I guess what we're going to do, we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to lift our hands to the Lord. And we're going to say, Lord, I want to be on your side. And I want to put all of my life into your hands. Do that right now. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. We give you glory and we give you honor, Father.